The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. What a glorious time for our parish. So we have a baptism after Matt or after the homily today. And so again, welcome to the to the Burns family. All of you, what a great honor to baptize Oliver's over there. He's, uh, is he awake? I think he's, he's doing good. So we'll see if he cries. Let's take bets how much if, if he'll cry or not. It's always hard to tell. So we'll baptize Oliver. And then yesterday, congratulations to the Renteria family, of course. We baptized their niece, their first, their first granddaughter, Angelina. We had a, a baptism yesterday. It was beautiful. I was telling uh, David and Ronnie... I said, it's amazing. It was pretty cool because they got married in the same church. I said, do you realize we're about to baptize your baby on the exact spot you exchange your vows? I said, how beautiful it is. The first child, the first of 13, I told them. God gave me a special vision of how many kids they were going to have. So get ready. I said, just keep pumping them out. I'll baptize as many babies that come out. I'll keep baptizing them. I'll give you a deal. Three for one or whatever. I don't know. And then, of course, thank, uh, congratulations to the Bailey family. Next Sunday, we'll baptize Agnes Lucia Bailey. That'll be after Mass, though, so uh, to kind of keep the crowd sparse and spread out. So, again, congratulations to the Bailey family. Scott and Emma were at Mass last night in, Lord, in Portola. So, babies, babies, keep pumping them out, you guys. 
We need more babies. So praise the Lord. Let's get into these readings. Beautiful, powerful, life-changing readings. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. What do you think God's biggest problem is, by the way? Another yellow now, but just imagine. What is God's biggest problem? Because God has got problems. It's like we all have problems. Big, medium, and small. It comes in all sizes. But what is God's biggest problem? It's not, for example, it's not, it's not famines in third world countries. It's not civil strife. It's not wars as, as bad as those things are. But there's a more fundamental answer. What is God's biggest problem? Because it is the same problem that God has that we all have, by the way. So ask yourself, what is the root of every single human conflict? That's your first clue. What is the cause of all of our conflicts? With spouses, with our relationships, even on the level of nations, there's, it's the same foundational Roots. So what do you think it is? By the way, we see it gloriously when we raise teenagers, by the way. The same cause. It, it, it infects its tentacles in every aspect of our lives. But amazingly, the same problem that God has, which is the root of all our conflicts, it's also the same thing which makes love possible, by the way. Because without this, love does not exist. Freedom. Human freedom. Because why did I say teenagers? Why do I always pick on them? Because that's when teenagers began to find their autonomy and their freedom. But it's not limited by human experience, by age. You know, when we get older, we can, hopefully we grow wiser. And we say, yeah, maybe those... It's not a good idea to jump off eight-story buildings, right? Break my leg first time around. Maybe I won't jump off next time. And freedom also exists, muscles also exist in love. You know, whenever a couple comes to get married in the church, part of the procedure is, is that I have to separate the couple. I have to, I have to interview them one-on-one. It's actually in the rubrics. You sit with the couple individually, and one of the questions I have to ask the man and the woman and maybe many of you have heard the same question asked to you by your priest. Are you entering this marriage free from pressure or fear? We have to ask you that question. Why? Because I'm trying to get at, is there a shotgun to your head? <laughs> Come in here. Are you entering this freely? Because if they say, yes, Father, I have fear and pressure. That's an invalid marriage because they're not using their freedom to enter into this. And so individually, I, I, asked, I have to ask, are you free? Otherwise, run. <laughs> right, run. All above the window, I'll cause a, dis- a diversion. Run. Right? In order to love, must there be freedom. No, the entire church 
All of Christianity, all two billion of us, we're getting ready for Christmas. Glorious day when Jesus enters into the scene. But to really delve richly into the mystery of, of this Jesus coming into our midst, we must first harken back to the first event, Genesis. Notice what happens in Genesis. God creates Adam and Eve. God beautifully says to humanity, all that I have is yours. Everything that I have. Eat, and, it, and, it's, and God uses the image of fruit, of trees. All of the trees are yours, save one. One tree is mine. Do not eat of this tree. And then Eve encounters the serpent. Serpent says to Eve, did God really tell you not to eat of this fruit? And then Eve says, oh, I, I can eat of any, uh, any fruit in this garden except for one, that one. Did God really tell you that? Ah, the first seed of doubt, right? You know what that echo is? God is in competition with you. Disobey him. God is your competition. The first seed of doubt. God doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because once you do, your eyes will be open and you will become like God's. Ah, do you hear the echo now of humanity? Always trying to assert oneself as God. Ah, human nature is always the same. Always the same. And now notice that pivotal moment. Imagine Eve now. There she's Eve, right there, standing in front of the fruit. Serpent telling her, take the fruit. Take the fruits. God now is also there. Eve, I told you no. Imagine the dilemma that Eve is going through at that moment. Her hand slow, slowly reaching for the fruit. God saying, Eve, I told you no. In many ways, all of humanity was present in that moment. Do you realize that? All of humanity the billions, if not trillions of us that will ever exist throughout human history. Imagine all of us there screaming. Mom, don't do it. Because once you do, sin, death, sickness, suffering will infect, infect, infect the world. Mom, Please do not do it. Don't you know what will happen to us if you do? Mary's hand, Eve's hand, gets closer. Closer. God could have stopped her. But she had freedom. And then look what happens. The unfolding of the, of the tears of the human race. Your suffering, my suffering, my pain, your pain. Right there. The grasping of the fruit. Eve uses her freedom. God allowed it. Ah, but our God is good. Our God is our Father. 
And like a good parent, God does not leave us alone in our filth. Enter Mary. God now sends Gabriel to her, to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed. Her name says, the virgin's name is Mary. The angel appears to her. Now imagine the power and the drama again of this moment. The angel appears, the first words out of his mouth, says, Mary, do not be afraid. Why? We tend to think of angels as chubby little cherubs, you know, in, in Hallmark cards. Ah, no, that's not, that's not Christian angels. Angels in all the sacred scripture, whenever an angel appears and manifests to a human person, fear enters in. They cower. Oh, if we saw angels in our faces right now, you would, you would, you would, you would run. So the angel Gabriel presents himself in his power and his dignity. Says to this Mary, don't be afraid. And then he lays out God's will. Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord your God will give him the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will have no end. The angel just laid out the plan of salvation. Mary, at this, point, at this moment in her life, she would have been around 14 or 15 years old. God just presented her and said, you're about to conceive in your womb a miraculous child who will sit on the throne of the most powerful kingdom ever. The entire salvation of the human race and the entire universe rests on the freedom of a 14-year-old girl. We don't let 14-year-old girls drive. The salvation of trillions of souls hangs in the balance. Mary, what will you say? At this moment now, all of the choirs of angels, all of the creative world now stops pauses and takes a deep breath. What will Mary do with her freedom? You see, God will never force Mary to do this. Nor did God force Eve now not to take of the fruit. Nor does God force any single one of us to do anything. And so he asks Mary, the 14-year-old girl, as she sits there and she ponders in silence, How can this be? Gabriel intensifies the mission. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And this child will be born and be called Holy, the Son of God. Mary must have thought, Gabriel, you didn't make this any easier. <laughs> In the silence of Mary's heart. She utters those marvelous words, which opens the gates. Yesha delebecha ilai. Let it be done unto me according to your word. 
Mary's freedom ushers in the sending of the Messiah so that we may have life. For all of God's creative power, He bows before the might of our human freedom. And so how now will we respond? You see, I dare say the Christian life is more daring. The Christian life is more daring. Why? Because I say my will is no longer my own. That I submit to God himself now. You see, that life is so much more daring. It's the life of the Christian Oh, we can choose the, the path of, of, of wrong freedom, doing whatever the heck I want. Well, yeah, look at all the thousands of years of human history. That's the fruit of that. The fruit now, what God gives every single one of us, is to be daring and courageous like Mary. See, this is why the Christian life must be lived to the full, by the way. This cafeteria Catholicism is either in or this middle way. I said, no, that, that's, that, that's, that's not heroic. Our Lord himself says, you're either with me or you're against me. And the Christian life is more courageous and more daring and more heroic. The life of choosing one's own will to do whatever the heck I please, oh, that gets tired fast. That's Eve. Be like Mary. Be like a 14-year-old girl. And let it be done according to his will. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God is so good, brothers and sisters. And so now as we move forward to baptize the little baby, imagine God himself was like Oliver. Do you realize how God is like that? God is so good. And so to the family, please, I invite you to stand now as we began.